John chapter 19 this morning. We will begin looking in uh, John chapter 19, verse 23. And this morning we will read down to verse 27. John 19, 23 says, Then the soldiers, when they had crucified Jesus, took His garments and made four parts, for every soldier a part, and also His coat. Now the coat was without seam, woven from the top throughout. They said, therefore, among themselves, let us not rend it, but cast lots for it, whose it shall be, that the Scripture might be fulfilled, which saith, they parted my raiment among them, and for my vesture they did cast lots. These things... Therefore, the soldiers did. We'll leave off reading there in verse 24. I was going to go down all the way to verse 27, but I'll pick that up next week. Uh, The soldiers, when they crucified Him, took His clothes and divided it up, and then they cast lots for His coat. And the Scripture says in verse 24, that the Scripture might be fulfilled. Look in chapter 19, verse 28. After this, Jesus, knowing all things were now accomplished, that the Scripture might be fulfilled, saith, I thirst. Look in verse 36 and verse 37. For these things were done that the Scripture should be fulfilled. A bone of him shall not be broken. And again, another Scripture saith, they shall look on him whom they have pierced. The phrase that the Scripture might be fulfilled or its equivalent shows up in all four of the Gospel writers. This phrase shows us that the earthly ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ was not only foretold, but that it was divinely accomplished. What God had said back there, He is Himself fulfilling it now in the life of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me give you just three examples. We looked at John 19. That's that's our fourth one. But in Matthew... Matthew chapter 1, verse 22 and 23. The Word of God says, And she shall bring forth a son. Thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now, all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son. They shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. In the birth of Christ, that it might be fulfilled. Mark in chapter 15 and verse 28. Mark in chapter 15 and verse 28 is a reference to Calvary where Mark records, and the scripture was fulfilled, which saith, and he was numbered, among the transgressors. Luke chapter 24, after the death and the burial and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, 
while he spent those days upon the face of the earth with his, with his disciples. Here in Matthew 24 and verse 44 and verse 45, we read, And he said unto them, These are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me. Then opened he their understanding that they might understand the Scriptures. That the Scriptures might be fulfilled. Now, this, John says, the soldiers did. That the Scriptures might be fulfilled. But the soldiers are Roman, Gentile, pagan worshipers. And yet they are fulfilling the Scriptures. Let me just spend a little time on this thought. Those who opposed the Lord Jesus Christ during His earthly ministry, whether they were Jew or whether they were a Roman Gentile, did not know the Scriptures. They had no intention of fulfilling the Word of God on God's behalf. They went about their daily lives living their life in a way they thought was consistent and right with their religion. We see that in all four Gospels. The Jews just went about their daily life. The Romans did the same thing. They lived their life consistent with their own way of thinking. They were not searching the Scriptures, memorizing the Scriptures, trying to rightly divide the Scriptures so that when the time came for them to crucify Christ, they could fulfill the Scriptures. No. No. They had no idea that the Lord Jesus Christ was fully God and fully man at the very same time. The Jews had rejected Him as being uh, Emmanuel, God with us. The Romans had ignored Him until the Jews brought Him before Pilate and Herod. They had no idea who He was. Just Jesus of Nazareth, the carpenter's son. They did not know Him as the truth. They did not know Him as the one sent by the Father to reveal the Father to His creation. They did not know Him as the light that lighteth the world. They did not know these things concerning Him. They had no idea that hundreds of years of prophecies were hanging in the balance in regarding all that was going on in the life and ministry of Christ, and especially all that is going on in the last few hours of His life. They have no idea that hundreds and years of prophecies are being fulfilled by God by what is going on at that very moment. They had no idea that the promises of God were being fulfilled right before their very eyes. 
They're carrying out their duty, these Roman soldiers. These Jews are carrying out the hatred of their heart toward the Lord Jesus Christ. Pilate is carrying out his duty as governor. They have no idea that right in their presence, the promises of God are being fulfilled. They also had no intention to search out to see if these things might be true. Much less to search to see if they could fulfill them for God, to help God accomplish His will on the earth. As some liberal commentators would say, in the fulfilling of all the miracles of Christ, that He went up before and there His helpers helped Him, and all of these things were done, like the feeding of the 5,000. He had stored food in a cave, so that, and then took all these people to the proper place, and then when it was time to feed them, He just went to the cave and got the store. That's, that people believe that. That on the cross, He didn't die, He just fainted, and they buried Him in a, a cool tomb, and, and the coolness of the tomb sort of revived Him, And instead of a resurrection, he just revived. People believe that. They believe anything except that God is fulfilling His promises in a miraculous way, using the lost to do so. In the days of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Scriptures were fulfilled because God God was sovereignly in control of all things in heaven and upon the earth. He ruled then, and for our comfort and help, He rules now. He overruled all things in that day so that His will is accomplished. And for our comfort and instruction, He is overruling all things in our day too. In the fulfillment of His promises concerning His only begotten Son, God sovereignly overruled the actions of those who were lost. From the beginning of His ministry until the end of His ministry, as men tried to kill Him, as men tried to defeat Him, as men tried to deceive His followers, from the beginning... God is ruling and overruling their attempts to to destroy the Lord Jesus Christ. He overruled the actions of those who were lost. He overruled the actions of those who did not know Him. They thought they knew Him. The Jews did. But they did not know Him. And He overruled their actions. And He overruled the actions of those that did not know nor understand the Word of God. The truth that God rules and overrules all things, including the lost, including those who do not know the Word of God, including each and every nation upon the earth, is revealed throughout the Scriptures. Let me get just one example out of the Old Testament. You already know the story of of Joseph. It's found in the book of Genesis. Joseph was born to, to Jacob, or Israel as he was called. 
And we see that Jacob favored him. And not only did Jacob favor him, but that God favored him with spiritual understanding. And because God favored him with spiritual understanding, his other brothers, the eleven, hated him. Hated him. We see that because they hated him, his brothers produced a plot against him, and we see that he was sold into slavery. And that brothers had no idea where his their brother would be taken, just sold to slavery, into slavery, and the slave owners took off across the desert. We see the slave owners showing up in Egypt. And he is sold again. And we see him working and then falsely accused. And because he was falsely accused, we see him put in jail for something he did not do. In jail, it is revealed that he can interpret dreams. After interpreting a dream and after seeing it come to pass, he is forgotten for several more years. And he remains in jail. But we see God giving Pharaoh, king of Egypt, a dream. And Pharaoh, disturbed by that dream, calls all the wise men of Egypt together. And what we see is that there was no man in Pharaoh's court that had the ability to interpret the dream. And then, the one whose dream was interpreted said, Oh, I remember now. I was in jail and someone interpreted a dream and it came true. And Pharaoh said, Go fetch that man. Well, maybe he didn't use the word fetch. Go get that man out of prison. And we see Joseph brought before Pharaoh. And then Pharaoh tells him his dream and we see that dream interpreted by Pharaoh and uh, by Joseph and Pharaoh so impressed raises Joseph up to the second highest position in all of Egypt. That's all going on in Joseph's life. And God had promised seven years of famine and it began to come back in Canaan. Jacob and his eleven sons are suffering from the famine like all the rest of the nations around Egypt. God ordering a famine among all the nations, including Israel. And we see Israel's family brought into great need. What a contrast that is to the mind and thinking of Christians, to professing Christians today where they cannot grasp the idea that God controls events, even famines. And God's people sometimes go hungry in the middle of a famine, but God always takes care of them. In Genesis chapter 41 and verse 25, Joseph says to Pharaoh these words, God has showed Pharaoh what he is about to do. Not the devil. Not circumstances, not nature, and certainly not mother nature. 
But what God is about to do, God's going to bring seven years of plenty and then God's going to bring seven years of famine. God's going to do that. And God's letting you know in advance so you can prepare for what's coming. That's the God we show, that we serve. We serve a God who knows all things and controls all things. And so we see the nation of Israel brought into destitution, brought into the place where they have to buy food and bring it in Egypt and bring it back home where they're living. And we see God ordering all of this. We also see Israel saved from the famine by the very one that the sons had sold into slavery. In the end of that long story, Joseph makes a statement. Genesis chapter 50, verse 20. At the end, after Israel dies, the eleven brothers are afraid Joseph's going to have them killed. And Joseph, they come to Joseph in fear. And Joseph made this statement. Genesis 50, verse 20. But as for you, you intended it. You thought you carried out evil against me. You thought evil against me. But God meant it for good. To bring to pass that it is this day to save much people alive. Now why did I tell you that whole story? In light of what is before us, where the Scripture says, and uh, records that God fulfilled the Scriptures. In this one event, and if we didn't have anything else in the Old Testament, in this one event, we see God ruling and overruling all things, ruling and overruling the evil of men, ruling and overruling the circumstances of, of governments, Polit men in political power making decisions against a child of God, ruling and overruling all these things in order to bring to pass what God was going to accomplish on the earth. Now, if God shows Himself to be a God who can do that among the nations for physical reasons and for the physical preservation of nations, how much more is God ruling and overruling regarding the spiritual salvation of His people? That's what we see going on here in John chapter 19 when the Scripture says that it might be fulfilled. That's what we see. God fulfilling His promises in order that His people might be saved from their sins. The truth that God rules and overrules all things, fulfilling His Word in all things concerning the spiritual events is clearly seen in the life and death of the Lord Jesus Christ. Study the life and death of Christ, and what you see is God accomplishing His will in order that sinners might be saved. Let's go to Acts chapter 13. I want you to see this. Acts chapter 13 and verse 26 and verse 27. Here in Acts chapter 13, uh, we have a message being preached 
And in verse 26, the Scripture says, Men and brethren, children of the stock of Abraham, and whosoever among you feareth God. Some, some Gentile converts were gathered, converts to Judaism were gathered there in that group. Whosoever among you feareth God, to you is the word of this salvation sent. For they that dwell at Jerusalem and their rulers, listen to the next text, because they knew Him not, nor yet the voices of the prophets which are read every Sabbath day, they have fulfilled them in condemning Him. They did not know Him, they did not know the Word of God, and yet they fulfilled the Word of God in condemning Jesus Christ to death at the cross. Now that's God in control of all things. People who don't know the Word of God, people who don't know the promises of God, people who are completely ignorant of who Jesus is, are under the control of God. These things the soldiers did. What an amazing statement at the end of that verse. These things the soldiers did. This is not His disciples trying to work a plan so that God is not embarrassed at the cross of Christ. No! The soldiers are doing this. And as they are doing this, the Jews are doing this, and as they are doing this, they are fulfilling the Word of God. So that in Acts chapter 2, when Peter is preaching, this verse chapter, chapter 2, verse 23 says, Him being delivered by the determinate counsel, counsel and foreknowledge of God, you have taken and slain with wicked hands. You have taken by wicked hands and have crucified and slain. You did that. God was fulfilling His purposes. Well, what was God fulfilling in these verses? Verse 23 and verse 24 again. Then the soldiers, when they had crucified Jesus, took His garments and made four parts to every soldier a part, and also His coat. Now the coat was without seam, woven from top throughout. They said, therefore, among themselves. This is another example of God fulfilling His will. They said among themselves. Let's go find out what the Scripture says. No. They said among themselves. I wonder what God would do in this situation. No. They said among themselves. Why don't we get the dice out and throw the dice and see who wins this garment. That's what they said among themselves. Let us not rend it. Uh, Don't tear it into four pieces, but cast lots for it. Uh, Whose it may be that the Scripture might be fulfilled, which saith that they parted my raiment among them, and for my vesture they did cast lots. These things therefore the soldiers did. This event is also mentioned in the other Gospels. Matthew 27 and verse 35, they crucified Him and parted His garments, casting lots. Mark 15 and verse 24, when they had crucified Him, they crucified Him, they parted His garments, casting lots upon them. Luke 23 and verse 34, then said Jesus, forgive them, for they know not what they do, and they parted His garments and cast lots. All four gospel writers draw our attention to this event. It is critical because it is God fulfilling 
His will and His purposes. More than a thousand years before that event was took place, back in the reign of David, king of Israel, David penned Psalm 22. And in Psalm 22, verse 8, David said, They part my garments among them and cast lots upon my vesture. Psalm 22, 8. A thousand years would pass before at that moment at Calvary's cross as they crucified Him, the four soldiers gathered up His garments and tore them in four pieces and then found this coat and said, let us cast lots for it and see whose it might be. These four soldiers who were assigned to guard those that were dying at Calvary would receive as part of their payment the clothes of the ones that were crucified. They were marched out of the jail with their clothes on, but when it came time to be crucified, they were stripped. And the clothes, the shoes, everything belonged to the four soldiers and they would divide them among themselves. One piece of the Lord's clothing was divided into four parts so that each one would have a part of it. Then the soldiers took that other part, that coat, and took that other garment. It covered His whole body from His neck down to His feet, woven as one complete garment. And therefore it was valuable and beautiful, too costly for the Roman soldiers to just tear it up in pieces. And so they decided among themselves, let's cast lots and see who gets this, without knowing that they were fulfilling the Word of God. There are several things in this this that we don't want to miss. This is a great picture for us. First, the fact that the soldiers cast lots for his for that woven coat not only fulfills the scriptures but fulfills them in such a way as to prove that God is in control of what is going on. Go over with me to Proverbs chapter 16. Proverbs 16 and verse 33. This actually has nothing to do with the crucifixion of Christ, but it is a truth that is expressed by the writer of Proverbs. Proverbs 16 and verse 33, the Scripture says, the lot is cast into the lap. This garment from from the head down to the feet, they would sit down and fold their garment there a little bit between their legs and they would cast the lot in their lap. And then they would look at it in the lap of the garment. But what? The, the lot is cast. But what? The whole disposing of the the whole disposing thereof is of the Lord. Thousands of years, hundreds of years before the crucifixion. Not thousands, hundreds of years before the crucifixion. This proverb was written during the time of Solomon, probably. 
and comes to pass at the cross. The lot is cast, but who is disposing of the matter? Who is overruling and ruling the matter? Who is in control of that event? God is. God is. It is a picture for us of the Lord having His coat stripped from Him and bearing the shame of that at Calvary in order that we might be clothed so that we do not stand before God in, with shame in us. Here is the picture. Not only is it a fulfilling of the promise of God, not only is it the fulfilling of a basic, basic principle that God is in control, but it is a picture of us in God saving us, in the Lord Jesus Christ saving us. His robe is stripped from Him. He dies in our place and His robe of righteousness is placed on us so that when we stand before God, we do not stand naked in our shame with our sin before Him, but we are clothed with a robe of righteousness earned for us by the Lord Jesus Christ. The prophet Isaiah in chapter 50 verse 6 Isaiah 50 verse 6 says, I gave my back to the smiters. A prophecy concerning Christ. I gave my back to the smiters. That's when He was whipped. And my cheeks to them that plucked off my hair. That's when He was beaten. I hid not my face from shame and spitting. I hid not my face from disgrace and reproach and contempt and from spitting. In Psalm 69, the psalmist writes, and at first we would not know in verse 19 that he is speaking of the Lord Jesus Christ, but if we just read a few verses later, we know that this is a reference to Christ. Psalm 69, 19-21. Listen to the Scriptures. Thou hast known my reproach, and my shame, and my dishonor. My adversaries are all before Thee. Not only are they standing before me, but they are standing before God, my adversaries are. Reproach hath broken my heart, and I am full of heaviness. And I looked for some to take pity, but there was none. For comforters, but I found none. Verse 21, They gave me gall, also gall for my meat. And in my thirst, they gave me vinegar to drink. We will see the fulfillment of that in a week or so. Thou hast known my shame, Jesus says. When they stripped Him and put Him on the cross. What a shame. What a shame that He faced. In the book of Hebrews chapter 12, in verse 2, the Scripture says, looking on to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross. Yes, but despising the shame. Despising the shame, the disgrace of it all. And is set down on the right hand of the throne of God. 
For the joy set before Him, He went to Calvary. He was going to save His people from their sins. Hebrews 12 and verse 2. He was going there on purpose and for a purpose. He was going there to die in their place. He was going there to, to, to bring upon Himself all that would be brought on them to take upon Himself so that they could escape the wrath of the Almighty. But the shame of it, the shame of it, though He would bear it, was despised by Him. And this is the Holy Son of God stripped and hung upon a cross between heaven and earth. He bore the shame as they are gambling for His coat that has been taken from Him. At the foot of the cross, there Jesus is shamed in public. Now that was all in the purpose of God. Scripture says in Romans chapter 10, begin, beginning in verse 9 and going through verse 11, these words, that if thou shalt confess the, with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised Him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. But with a heart man believeth on the righteousness, and with a mouth confession is made on the salvation. For the Scripture saith, Whosoever believeth in Him shall not be ashamed, shall not stand before God ashamed, disgraced and dishonored before the Almighty, but because they believe in Jesus and are clothed with a robe of righteousness, they stand before God with a robe that makes them accept it in the very presence of a holy God. They shall not be. He was, but not them. He was, but not those for whom He died. He was, but not those who believe on Him. They will never be ashamed before God. They are accepted in the Beloved. This woven garment is also a picture of that garment that was worn by the great high priest in Israel. In the book of Exodus, chapter 28, verse 32. Exodus 28, verse 32, we read, And there shall be a hole on the top of it, in the midst thereof. It shall have a binding of woven, woven work about the whole of it, as it were the whole of the habergon, that it not be rent, that it not be able to be torn. Because the priests were commanded never to tear that coat. It is a picture of that which belongs to God's high priest. The outer garments can be, can be torn. And when they're in grief, they tear their garments. But not this one. God had it made in such a way that it could not be torn. And it's a picture for us when thousands of years later, the Lord Jesus Christ has on a garment woven from top to bottom that cannot be torn. <laughs> Our great high priest hangs upon Calvary's cross. Last week I preached this is the King of kings and the Lord of lords hanging upon Calvary's cross. God's king upon a cross. Can you imagine it? And yet there also 
in the same person is God's priest offering a sacrifice that God will accept for sinners. On that cross is Jesus Christ, God's high priest. He has been stripped of His garment, but it cannot be torn. The priest's garment cannot be torn. Here He is, King of kings, defeating every enemy that is brought upon Him at that cross. The devil himself is there. Sin is laid upon Him. The judgment of the Almighty falls upon Him. And defeating everything. But not only King defeating it all, but High Priest. High Priest offering a sacrifice that God would accept in heaven. For years and years, hundreds of them, the priests have been offering sacrifices. Enough blood has been shed in Israel to fill the streets of Jerusalem. Blood of bulls and goats that could never take away sin offered by the priest year in and year out and they would die and another priest would come. But this is the everlasting Son of God. This is the eternal Son of God. This is the High Priest of God that made one sacrifice forever and then sat down because He completed His work. But not only is He King, Defeating all of his enemies. Not only is he a high priest, but he is also the sacrifice that is being offered that God will accept. In heaven, God pulls back the curtain for us in the book of the Revelation, and John looks at the throne and he sees a lamb slain from the foundation of the world. The Lord Jesus Christ. God's offering. A priest on a throne. Where does that come from? It comes from the Scriptures. Listen to Zechariah chapter 6 in verse 13. Zechariah chapter 6 verse 13. God says, Even he shall build the temple of the Lord, and he shall bear the glory, that is, bear the glory of that temple, and shall sit and rule upon His throne. And He shall be a priest upon His throne. Hallelujah. And the council of peace shall be be between them both. He shall be a priest sitting on the throne. He is king sitting on His throne. He is a priest sitting on His throne. This is the Lord Jesus Christ hanging at Calvary's cross fulfilling the Scriptures. The soldiers were doing what the soldiers do. Every crucifixion, the four soldiers around those that they were guarding always took the clothes, always divided them up among themselves. But on this day, they are fulfilling the Scriptures. When God pulls back the curtain in heaven, in the book of the Revelation, And John on the Isle of Patmos hears a voice behind him and he turns in chapter 1, verse 13. And in the midst of the seven candlesticks, that's the Lord's churches, one like unto the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the feet. There he is. No longer shamed, but clothed again with a garment 
down to his feet and gird about the paps with a golden girdle. Seeing the scriptures fulfilled in this way should give you confidence, you that are here without a Savior, to call upon Him. He who fulfilled that scripture 2,000 years ago can fulfill the one that says that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. He who fulfilled that promise when men had no idea what they were doing. And yet God was ruling and overruling. Can fulfill the promise that says, Look unto me and be ye saved all the ends of the earth, for I am God and there is none else can fulfill the promise that says, Come unto me, all you that are heavy, weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He who fulfilled that promise 2,000 years ago can and will fulfill His promise to sinners today. Seeing that, understanding that, should stir in your heart a confidence that Jesus Christ can save me from my sins. Since He fulfilled every promise related to His time on the earth, shall He not fulfill every promise concerning the salvation that He acquired for sinners? What about the child of God before me this morning? Our life is bound up in the Lord Jesus Christ. He is our life. He is our life. Oh, the promises of God are yea and amen in Him. What God has said in His, in His Word, that which God has promised come to us through the Lord Jesus Christ. Our life is bound up in Him. We have trusted Him for our salvation. Shall we not trust Him with our life on this earth? until He takes us on to glory. The Scripture says, the Word of God says, that the Scripture might be fulfilled. Oh, brethren, what powerful, powerful words are wrapped up in one little phrase in the midst of two verses. May God grant you to take it to heart this morning. Let's pray together.